Folks, God willing, over the next couple of months, up until the end of uh, June, uh, we will be going through the book of Micah. Uh, And today we get to Micah chapter 2. You can find it on page 776 uh, of the small print pew Bibles. Woe to those who devise wickedness and work evil on their beds. When the morning dawns, they perform it, because it is in the power of their hand. They covet fields and seize them, and houses and take them away. They oppress a man and his house, a man and his inheritance. Therefore, thus says the Lord, Behold, against this family I am devising disaster, from which you cannot remove your necks, and you shall not walk haughtily, for it will be a time of disaster. In that day they shall take up a taunt song against you and moan bitterly and say, We are already ruined. He changes the portion of my people. How he removes it from me. To an apostate he allots our fields. Therefore you will have none to cast the line by lot in the assembly of the Lord. Do not preach, thus they preach. One should not preach of such things. Disgrace will not overtake us. Should this be said, O house of Jacob? Has the Lord grown impatient? Are these his deeds? Do not my words do good to him who walks uprightly? But lately my people have risen up as an enemy. You strip the rich robe from those who pass by by trustingly with no thought of war. The women of my people you drive out from their delightful houses. From their young children you take away my splendor forever. Arise and go, for this is no place to rest, because of uncleanness that destroys with a grievous destruction. If a man should go about and utter wind and lies, saying, I will preach to you of wine and strong drink, he would be the preacher for this people. I will surely assemble all of you, O Jacob. I will gather the remnant of Israel. I will set them together like sheep in a fold, like a flock in its pasture, a noisy multitude of men. He who opens the breach goes up before them. They break through and pass the gate going out by it. Their king passes on before them, the Lord at their head. Amen. And we thank God today for his word. Back in the day when I was a wee lad in the glorious east, growing up before my mother and father, a great tradition happened in our house, and that was that you didn't go to bed until you'd watched the news at 10. I don't know if the news at 10 is still a thing. I'm 40 now. I go to bed at 20 past 7. Ever since Friday happened, I'm, I'm done. I'm fed up, and I need to get them a scratcher. But back in the day, the news at 10 was the end of the day. You had to watch it. You had to figure out what was going on. And Trevor MacDonald or somebody like that would tell you all the bad news of the day. Folks, I don't know if you sit up to watch that anymore, even if it's on anymore. But bad news, really, since when I was a wee lad, it's still coming, isn't it? Every single day, there's nothing but bad news. You pick up the paper, you watch the news at 10, you listen to the radio, you, you, you go online, wherever you look for it, bad news. This morning... Because I knew what I was going to preach about, I I went onto the BBC website, I looked at some of the headlines and some of the stories, 
There was a woman defrauded of almost £200,000, and she had a fight for two years to get it back. It's bad news. Knife crime in London is, is down a wee bit, but there's still knife crime, and watch yourself when you're out and about on the streets of our capital. It's, it's bad news. And there's a pensioner who's in big trouble because uh, someone broke into his house and threatened him and was stealing his stuff, and he defended himself, and now he's finding himself with the full weight of the law upon his shoulders. Bad news. And there's a man, a pensioner, fixing a satellite dish, and he was shot with a crossbow bolt. Bad news. And I could go on with a whole host of things, but I suspect if I did, no one would want to stay for the Romanian soup, and no one's going to be particularly encouraged this afternoon uh, when you're sitting listening about the good work that's going to happen in Romania. So I'm not going to tell you any more bad news. But as I preach through the book of Micah, I think we constantly meet the good news. And even as I read Micah chapter 2, maybe you're thinking, Scott, your head is cut. There is no good news in that chapter. All it is is woe to those who devise wickedness. All it is is, is women being robbed of their houses and children being robbed of their inheritance. There's no good news in the book of Micah at all. Neither in Micah chapter 1 nor Micah chapter 2. But friends, I pray that you will grow to love this wee book because I find it incredibly encouraging. And as I preach through it and as I prepare to, to preach it week by week, and as I read every single verse, constantly I see in it the Lord drawing near and telling us it is an absolute control of everything. Even when we despair and, and lock the doors at night because the bad news. Folks, we hear it all the time, don't we? And it causes us to shrink back and we live in a dark world and we think there's nothing good about this day and age. It's constantly bad after bad after bad. But then we read a passage like this and I pray indeed that you will be filled with the joy that comes from knowing Christ today and knowing that he is utterly in control even in the days of the oppressors and the wicked and the evildoers. See, that's what comes here. Micah is sent to preach to the people, and he, he preaches for 40-odd years, and ultimately there is a revival. We rejoiced in that last week in Micah 1. We go from Jotham, who was all right, to Ahaz, who was a chancer, to Hezekiah, who is a young man of faith, and he brings reform and revival to the people of the land. There's good news as the word of Lord is preached. Even though the Lord comes and warns the people, ultimately they repent. And we see more of that in chapter 2. Because in these days there are those who oppress the people. Micah begins in verse 1 by saying, Woe to those who devise wickedness and work evil on their beds. Woe to those who premeditated come with evil plans and schemes. Woe to those who wake up in the morning and their only intention is to do whatever suits them. And that is the big problem. Micah says at the end of verse 1, when the morning dawns, they perform it. And why do they do these wicked acts? Why do they do these things against their fellow citizens? Because they can. It is in the power of their hand. Why is knife crime up in London? Because, well, it's easy to carry a knife and, and to stick it into somebody and run away and never be caught. Why is it that a pensioner's in trouble for defending his home because somebody thought, that's an easy target, I'll climb in there, I'll rob that guy blind, and if he needs a good dig, I'll give him it. It's always been the case. 
It's not just 2019, Ballon Hinch and, and Great Britain that's struggled with this. There have always been those who have oppressed the weak and the poor and the, the soft and easy targets. And yet, what is the word of the Lord today? To the people of Micah's day and to the people of our day, it, it isn't. Lock all your doors at 3 o'clock and, and don't open it to anybody. The Lord says, Woe to those who devise wickedness and work evil on their beds. And you think to yourself, well, Scott, is that encouraging? Really? Does, does that encourage me when, when I'm concerned? Does that encourage me when I hear of another ATM theft down the country and somebody's big digger? Should I be worried that my husband's come home and he says, love, I've bought a new car and it's a JCB digger? Should I be concerned that he's going into a life of crime? Of course it's encouraging. Because the Lord speaks and he speaks to these evildoers and he says, when you're lying in your bed in the morning devising your evil schemes and when you get up and perform them just because you can, woe to you, he says. Woe to you. I know what you're at. I know what you're like and I stand against you. The Lord sends Micah to preach against these individuals who, who are doing whatever they want to do and they are victimizing the poor of the day. We see that in verse 2. They covet fields and seize them and houses and they take them away. They oppress a man and his house, a man and his inheritance. Later on we read in verse 9, The women of my people you drive out from their delightful houses. From their young children you take away my splendor forever. And they reckon that what is going on in these days is that under the guise of perfectly legal procedures, they are waiting for a man to die. They're swooping in. They're forcing a widow to accept whatever price they're giving for a house. They're throwing them out onto the street. They're taking the fields of this man. They're robbing him of his inheritance. They're acting in a ridiculously sinful, malicious way against men and women who they should be caring for. And the Lord says, woe to you. Woe to you who would seek to rob an old lady of her pension. Woe to you who, who seeks to cause hurt to a member of the PSNI. Woe to you who, who seeks to damage the, the fragile peace and stability of this nation. Woe to you who say that you were never in the IRA, but we don't believe you or your beard. Woe to you who devise wickedness and work evil on your bed. We read this and we see that the Lord is not blind to the difficulties and the situations that we face in 2019 Britain. He is not blind to the cry of the poor and the oppressed. He knows the mourning of families whose children have been taken from them at the point of a knife. He knows the hurt of those who, who to this day remember daddy whose life was taken just because he had the audacity to be a prison officer. He knows. He says, woe to you who do these things who covet and steal and oppress and rob and feed. The Lord says that he is not blind, he is not slow. Verse 3 tells us, Therefore, says the Lord, behold, against this family I am devising disaster. Against this family of those who wake in the morning with the only intention of doing wicked and evil, against this family I am devising disaster. And from this you won't be able to remove your necks, and you shall not walk haughtily. For it will be a time of disaster. I wonder if you saw the video the other week of the, 
the, the Republican guys, I can't pronounce the word. John's not here. I would have checked with him the pronunciation of that word beginning with S. But did you see them walking out of the courts? They walked out of the courts like they owned the place. There were militant Republicans and a young journalist had lost their life. And, and they were really sorry about that. But they wouldn't have been sorry if it was a policeman that had caught the bullet. They were going to be more careful the next time. And there would be a next time. And out the walk of the courts, haughtily, full of arrogance and pride. And this other young female journalist goes and challenges them, and they wouldn't answer her. They had nothing to say to her. And I hope they listen today if they are anywhere near a church that preaches the gospel. Because the Lord says to wicked doers, evil doers, you won't be able to remove your necks from the disaster that I'm going to bring to you. You'll not be walking haughtily when... You're coming before me. It will be a time of disaster. In these days, the Lord says in verse 4, I will take everything from you. They will raise up a taunt song against you and moan bitterly and say, We are utterly ruined. The Lord has removed from us everything. He changes the portion of my people. He removes it from me to an apostate, to someone who is not of our faith. He allots our fields. They will sing and they will moan and they will complain against the Lord. But the Lord says, this disaster is coming against you. And it is coming for the things that you have done. With arrogance and pride and, and laughter and, and without any repentance, it's coming against the wicked and the evildoers who lie on their beds and without thought for their neighbor, they perform whatever it is that they want to just because they can. Friends, today, if you are weary with this word. And if you are fearful at the headlines, and if you are wondering about the future for your little ones or your grandchildren or, or their great-grandchildren, I cannot promise that it will all be sweetness and light and peace and joy. I suspect it won't. I suspect we live in a dark world that increasingly is departing from the word of God, and therefore it will only get worse. But I know that the God who spoke in Micah's day to the evildoers and the oppressors is still the God who speaks in our day and says to his children, do not fear. Do not fear those who would seek to hurt you or rob you. Do not fear those who would seek to defraud you when they phone you one day and, and get you to tell them your bank details under shadow and fraud. Do not fear these individuals. For I, the Lord, am not blind to it. And a day is coming when I will show my hand. See, in Peter's day, it was the same. There were many scoffers, Peter says in his second letter. And they would come and they say, Where is the promise of God's coming? For ever since the fathers fell asleep, all things are continuing as they were from the beginning of creation. And don't we hear that? Don't we hear that in the face of darkness and sin? We hear, oh, where is your God? Why didn't he do something about that great disaster, that great tragedy? Where is this God of yours? Why doesn't he just step in and, and do stuff? And you and I, when we hear those mocking voices and those scornful tones, we know that he has already stepped in and done stuff. And that great a tragic day when the Lamb of God was crucified for our sin. That's the day that the Lord showed his hand. That's the day the Lord showed everyone. A day is coming when this same crucified and risen Jesus will return in judgment. 
That day is on its way, evildoers. That day is coming, all of you who, who seek to do evil as you lie in your bed and you do it just because you can. That day is on its way. And my friends, when we get so cross at the lies we hear in society, and when we get so frustrated because it seems that justice has turned up on its head, and when we hear the cries of the oppressed all around the world and it seems nobody cares and nobody does anything, the Lord says, I care and I will act and woe to those who, who bring oppression to the people of this land. Friends, the Lord is a God of justice. And Micah's word to these men and women is that word. It is time to stop and to think about what it is that you are doing. In verse 10, Micah preaches and says, Arise and go, for this is no place to rest, because of uncleanness that destroys with a, a grievous destruction. You see, even as the Lord pronounces his judgment against these oppressors, there's a word of grace. There's a word of mercy. We have said already to the kids, and do you notice that Jim nicked the popcorn? I will find you, Jim Stokes. I was looking forward to that this afternoon. But then we say to the wee ones, there's Minnie Micah, the monkey, and he's at the popcorn just because he can. But we have a Savior who hears us when we repent and forgives us our sin. In the very same way, the Lord speaks to these oppressors and he says, get up. Get up and move. Don't rest here. This is a place of destruction. You've, you've heard me pronouncing my judgment against you. Get up, you evildoers. And of course, you're not going to listen. Often those who are opposed to the Lord do not want to listen. They do not want to hear that judgment is coming. They do not want to hear of that day that every evil deed will be brought out into the light. And even if the PSNI didn't catch up with you, well, the Lord will one day. They don't want to hear that. But the Lord comes and says... Woe to you. Now before this disaster comes, get up and go. Get up and run. Get up and flee because this judgment is going to come. And friends, today I, I look at you and I know that not all of you are out robbing banks. Do you notice I said not all of you? I've noticed some of those new cars out in the car park. I have my suspicions. I know you're not bank robbers. I'd like to think you're not down the street oppressing people. I know you're not lying on your beds in the morning and, and plotting evil schemes and you're going to get up and get on with it just because you can. But friends, the same judgment that burns against evildoers is the judgment that will be poured out upon those who have rejected Christ. And I pray today that as you hear this God of grace who says, Woe is coming. So get up. Get up and run. Get up and flee. This is not a place to rest. Your place of hardness towards the Lord is no place to rest. This place of rebellion against the Lord, it is no place to rest. This place where, where preaching goes in one ear and out the other, that's no place to rest. The Lord's judgment burns against all those who oppose Christ. And they may be oppressors and evildoers, or they might just be everyday regular Presbyterians who come to church but never give any consideration to Jesus and the Lord says get up this isn't a restful place get up and flee and run to Christ and when you do as we said to the wee buddies when you do 
you will find that he forgives sinners like us. See, often the problem is that we don't want to listen. Micah chapter 1 said that. The Lord says, listen. Listen to this prophecy. Listen. And we see that they haven't started yet. Because in this passage, the oppressors say in verse 6, Ah, don't preach about that. Do not preach, thus they preach. One should not preach of such things. Disgrace will not overtake us. There's no way, Micah, these things are going to happen to us. After all, Micah here is preaching to good, God-fearing Jewish people. He is not preaching to the enemy at the gates. He's preaching to those inside the city. He is saying, listen, God sees your wickedness and your evil and, and how you have thrown widows out of their homes and robbed them off their husbands' fields. God sees that. And what is your response? It'll never happen. It'll never happen. But again, as Peter says, doesn't he, in chapter 3 of his second letter, they deliberately overlook this fact. That the heavens existed long ago when the earth was formed out of water and through water by the word of God. And that by means of these things the world then existed was deluged with water and perished. But by the same word, word the heavens and earth that now exist are stored up for fire. And it has been kept until the day of judgment and destruction of the ungodly. And do not overlook this one fact, beloved. That with the Lord one day is as a thousand years. And a thousand years as one day. The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise, as some count slowness. But he is patient towards you, you good Presbyterian people of Balnehinch. He is patient towards you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach that place of repentance. And my friends, you're not a wicked doer. You're not an ATM stealer. You're not a pension robber. You're not a burglar. You're not any of those things that I have discussed this morning. But if you're not in Christ and you're not a Christian, then woe to you. Friends, today this is an encouraging passage and it is good news and why? Because we know the answer and the solution to this. The Lord does not wish you to perish, but he wishes you to reach repentance. And friends, today, if you will repent of your sin and flee from them and trust in Christ, then you will be saved. Fact. True story. Regardless of the darkness of the day, if you call upon Jesus, you will be saved. You see, the liberator is coming. And it is with that good news that that we finish this passage you see there are many in verse 11 who would like a sermon that says I will preach to you of wine and strong drink Micah says if you had someone like that uttering wind and lies well you'd listen to him he would be the preacher for this people but instead today my brothers and sisters we, we reject that nonsense we reject soft little messages that, that fill our heads with sweetie mice, but do not tell us of Christ. Instead, we look at those final verses which speak of the liberator. Jesus is coming for his people. 
The Lord says in verse 12, I will surely assemble all of you, O Jacob. He speaks to all of his people. He says, I will gather the remnant of Israel. It's, it's a wonderfully rich biblical word. That, that phrase, the remnant, the Lord always has his remnant. And in the darkness of 2019, I, I cannot predict or say with certainty how many love the Lord in this world, but they are always going to be a minority and a remnant from everyone who could believe. But the Lord will always have his people. And even in this day and age, the Lord is gathering them together like sheep in a fold, we read in verse 12. The Lord is at work. The Lord is at work. The Lord is at work. His word is preached. And the sheep hear his voice and they are gathered as the Spirit convicts them of sin and they come to Jesus. The Lord is gathering his people. There's a mission coming up in just a, a week's time up the country. We don't quite know where it is. They're not from this neck of the woods. Sammy Somerville doesn't know where it is, so you blame him, not me. But there's a mission coming. And friends, if you, you want people to hear the gospel, take them up the mountain to hear the gospel. A man called John Weir will be preaching, and you need to hear a boy like that. And I am convinced and I am sure that in that work, the Lord will draw together his people. Individuals will hear his voice. There's the encouragement, my brothers and sisters. When we go to bed at night, wish him that would never listen to that bad news. We know that every single day, the faithful God is, is turning the hearts of evildoers to him. And every single day, he is gathering up a people for his own possession. Every single day, they are coming into the pasture, a noisy multitude of men, says Micah. And there is our hope. In the darkest of days, Christ the liberator appears and, and breaks the chains of sinful men and women and encourages the hearts of, of weary Christians. And when we believe that there's no way on earth the problems that we face are, are going to be tackled, then we, we read verse 13, Christ is the one who opens the breach. And he goes up before them and they break through and they pass the gate. Do you see that? There's, there's not a single stronghold that Christ is afraid of. There's not a wall that he can't get through. And we know in Northern Ireland we love our walls. We still call each other Lundy, don't we? Do you remember? I'll not tell you the story of him. If you don't know it by now, come on. Where have you been for 400 years? But we love our walls. And you close the gates, and we still sing about it all these years later, but there's not a wall that stops Jesus. And friends, there's your encouragement. We look into this world, and it's dark, and it's bleak, and it's scary, and it's frightening, but we look into it with eyes of faith that say, the liberator's coming. The wall smasher is coming. The gate breaker is on his way. Christ is his name. And for the church of Jesus Christ today, even in the midst of those who, who would seek to harm us and seek to do bad things in this community and would seek to rob people and oppress people and steal from people, for the church of Christ today, we look in faith to Jesus and we see our King who passes on before. The Lord is at our head. Friends, I don't know if you subscribe to the podcast. I don't mean this to be an advert for it, but yesterday I... I did a new episode on chapter 8 of the Westminster Confession about Christ our Mediator. And the first paragraph in chapter 8 of our Confession says that Jesus Christ is the sole King and Savior of our church. 
And that's why I think Micah 2, with all of its woe and all of its sin and wickedness and all of its bad news, that's why I think Micah chapter 2 is an incredibly encouraging chapter because it finishes with the words, the Lord at their head. Five words. Five words. And how do we pick ourselves up today? To go into a land of oppression? To deal with broken hearts? To speak into situations of abuse? To stand with eyes of faith in the middle of bad news? How do we do it? How do we do it? Christ goes before. That is how we do it. Christ, the liberator, goes before. Smashing down the wall, that is how we do it. Christ, the gate breaker, goes on before, and that is how we do it. And friends, that isn't just for boys like Winky Shaw and Cap who go to homes all around this district. That's for you, that's for me. That's for homes of mourning, that's for for homes of joy, that's for homes of in-betweenness, that's for homes that don't want to listen. How do we impact them for the gospel? Christ goes on ahead. Friends, a long time ago, back in the glory days when I was growing up, before I reached 40 and my beard is grey, I can hardly climb out of my seat anymore, my mother, in her wisdom, used to let us watch Crime Watch on a Thursday night. That was our wee treat. Crime Watch. <laughs> they raised them differently in the East, didn't they? You all watched Country File up here. That was your treat. We watched Crime Watch. And it all was finished by reminding us that violent crime is exceptionally rare, so please don't have nightmares. Maybe you remember that. I remember that. Always finished with a note of encouragement after they'd shown you two hours of robberies and muggings and stabbings. So, folks, that's my hope today. That in the darkness of this world, you and me won't be having nightmares tonight, but instead eyes that are lifted to Jesus, our liberator, our wall smasher, our gate breaker, the Lord who is at our head. Amen. And we thank God today for his word.